Okay, Bruchanavon, welcome everyone. Shalom Aleichem. We have a very important subject tonight, Parshas Mishpatim. Uh, the Shurim on Sefer Shemais are again generously sponsored by our dear friends Dr. Zakaim, Umeshpachta, Lilay Nishmas of Shloima, Elias ben Rabiakov Zakaim, and Lilay Nishmas, Dr. Zakaim's mother, Rivka Bas Tovia Halevi, Viganeden, Tehemen Uchasam, the Shemim Lutzisham for their whole family. Simcha Senachas, Adbias Goyal Tzedek. The learning of Chodesh Shvat is dedicated by the Israeli family, Le'ilei Nishmas, Meir ben David, Shviya Melz Yosheh for his whole family, Rabbi Suresh Toivos, Ad Tzedek. Tonight's shir is sponsored by our good friend in Manhattan, David Cohen. David, Elishama ben Shimon HaKohen, for his chus for Hatzlachu Parnasa, Yimali Hashem Komashals Libay Latoiva. And tonight's shir is dedicated by Rabbi Shabtai and Yehudit Herman, all the way from Yushalayim. In honor of Harav Hagoyin Rav Shmuel's 40th birthday on Chavzayin Shvat, the Rosh Koel of the prestigious Shadenstein Koelel, it should be B'Shatum and Slachas. He should be blessed with Gazunt and Shefa Bracha and Siata Shmaya to continue his Koelel of Yisubanim and Masmidim and Beis Hakneses. Well, he does a lot of things in the holy neighborhood of Shari Chesed here in Eretz Hakodesh, and uh, his parents should see a lot of Nachas from him and all of their wonderful children. Okay. We're uh, continuing on the subject of Chinuch Habanim. So if you have children, great. If you don't have children yet, now is the be- uh, best time to prepare. Because once you have them, there's no time to even think about it. So it's, it's never too early to start preparing how to train your children. It's very And if you already got your kids out of the house, lucky, lucky you, but your job isn't over yet. I saw an amazing thing in the Sefer Masoras Moshe, Ramosha Feinstein. Chazal say that Yaakov Avinu was punished with the troubles of Yosef. And the question is, what did Yaakov Avinu do that he was punished, that he had this difficulty with Yosef? And Chazal say, Bikesh Yaakov Leishev B'Shava. Yaakov wanted to take it easy. So, Chazal don't really explain what was he planning, why did he want to take it easy, what did he think he could take it easy from. So, for the first time this week, I saw, what does it mean, Bikesh Yaakov Leishev B'Shava? Yaakov Venus said, look, I had 12 kids. They're all adult men. They're all G'day Hadar. I did the Chinuch. I'm done, you know. I was Mechanech them. So, I'm finished. So, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein learns, Bikesh Yaakov Leishev B'Shava means he already raised his children and he figured his job of Chinuch is over already. I did my job. I sent them to Yeshiva. I learned with them. I learned with them their Bar Mitzvah Parsha. I learned with them their Pshetel. I took them to the Chuppah. They already have children. I mean, how long do I have to hover over them? He says, Rabbi Moshe, from here we learn that a parent... Hasi mechanech, their children, their entire life. You're never done. Don't think, oh, I got him out of the house. No, you could be a great grandfather. You still need to watch carefully what your children do. Your job is never over. Look what happened to Yaakov. Yaakov thought he could take it easy with his chinuch. He didn't pick up on the fact the brothers were jealous. Yaakov should have sat his kids down and said, look, remember I told you 10 years ago about jealousy? Even a great person could be jealous of someone else. You have to be very careful. You have to work on your amuna. 
And Yaakov Inu didn't do that. And because of that, he had the whole issue with Yosef HaTzadik. So as we see, it's never too early to start. And one is never too old and uh, exempt from the mitzvah of Chinuch So this subject I was thinking long and hard about. So I told my wife, the topic of tonight's year is the five most important things to teach your children. The only thing is, I only have two so far. So I, already, I had the topic... I just didn't have the content yet. So I got to three and four, and I called different Gedoyle um, Yisrael. But this is, uh, these are the five that, um, in my humble opinion, are the five most important things to teach children. What does that mean, these are the five most important things? I mean, the mitzvah of Chinuch is you have to teach them about all 613 mitzvahs. But... The kid needs to see that there's a certain hierarchy, that certain things in your mind are more important and certain things are not as important. So what in the child's mind should the child think? You know, to, to Tati, to Daddy, to Abba, this is the most important thing. To Mommy, this is the most important thing. So let's go with number one. Number one says the Shlaha Kaddish. Again, none of these are my suggestions. This is what uh, the Gedolei Yisrael say, the Achroinim Chazal. Says the, here's the thing, a lot of what you hear about Chinuch Habanim is uh, what you call Lamali Kra Svarahi, you know? People basically, they make up, you know, what's convenient for the times. So it may or may not be uh, true, it may or may not be proper, but what, I, what I'd like to share with you is what the G'dayli Yisrael tell us, based on Chazal, says the Shla Kadosh that if a father is guiding his children, and he wants to make sure his children go in the straight and the narrow, even when you're not looking. The most important thing to teach a kid is not to lie. MS. MS. Some people, you know when they tell a story, it's 90% Baba Misa. Other people, you know when they tell a story, they're sprinkled in exaggeration. You have to tell your kid, a word is a word. You say you're going to do something, that's the most important thing. More important than any mitzvah, if you say you're going to do something, but I didn't promise. Of course you didn't promise. You're not allowed to promise. What do you mean you promise? You're not allowed to swear. You're not allowed to promise. A word is a word. If you say you're going to do something, you said you're going to take out the garbage, you said you're going to clean up, once you say it, to me, that's the most important. You must keep your word. Your word is gold. And you need to magnify the punishment for Sheker. Now, again, I know in this generation, we don't like talking about punishment. Punishment is a very dirty word. But in terms of what it should be, in their mind, the most severe crime, it should be in their mind that you consider lying worse than eating a piece of pig. That's it. Pig is not a good thing. It's not good for a person who has a Jewish mother to eat pig. It's frowned upon. We don't condone eating chazer. But worse than that is lying. Worse than that is not keeping your word. And if you catch the kid saying sheker, whatever your standard of punishment, maybe one day I'll get the guts to speak about whether you're allowed to hit a kid or not. Right now I don't have the guts, but I'm getting very close. It's, it's taken me about 10 years to even think about speaking about this subject. But 
whatever your level of severity is, number one should be sheker. You catch the kid lying, you give it, you give it to him, whatever your definition of giving it to him is. Ah, oh, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to take away one of your fruity pebbles for whatever you consider capital punishment in your house. It should be for sheker. V'yatil moira gadol. You should instill a great fear on it. And um, now, what? Now the shalakar says, why is sheker so wrong? Why should it be considered the most severe of any avera to the kid? So says the Shlach, a very practical idea. He says, when the kid is ingrained that if he lies, he's going to get it, then you could be assured he'll do whatever you tell him to do. Why? Because if he's willing to lie, so then he, he doesn't, in his mind, he could get away with not doing anything. Because if you ask him, did you do X, Y, and Z? So he'll just lie and say, yeah, I did it. And he's not worried if you're going to catch him that he's going to lie. But if he's afraid that if you ever catch him lying, boy, is he going to get it, then anytime you ask him to do something, he's going to probably do it because he knows you're going to ask him did he do it and he knows he can't lie. So the, the Shlach is saying a practical reason why MS is the most important thing to ingrain in a child because once he's afraid to lie, then he knows you could ask him about anything that, you've, that you would like from him and he's, never gonna, he's not going to lie because he knows that to you lying is the worst thing. In fact, the Shlach Kodesh brings a story about a dear friend of his, one of the Chassidei Aliyayin. And he says, one of, the, of course, one of the Sephardim. So I, I could understand that. So the Shlach Kodesh was living in Yushalayim. And he says, here in Yushalayim, Ira Kodesh, there was a certain Chassid Gadol me Chassidei Aliyayin from the Sephardim. You could give him all the money in the world, he wouldn't say, uh, Iota of Sheker. By the way, what does this mean? That means if so, you have to train the kid. If you say, I'll call you tomorrow. In America, I'll call you tomorrow means I will never speak to you again. In America, when you say, I'll try. Could you come? I'll try. I'll try means no. No. I'll try means I will try. I'll call you tomorrow means I'll call you tomorrow. That's how you have to teach a kid. Well, anyway, this Svaradi Nushalayim, you could give him all the money in the world. He would not speak falsehood. And he told, I asked him, you know, where do you get this minug from? He said, my father taught me and my brother when we were kids that if, let's say, I'm going to make up a story, not that it happened in my house, just theoretically, let's say you had a, a break front and let's say a kid threw a football through the break front. I'm not giving, I'm not saying that that happened to me. It happened, yeah, it happened to have happened in my house. But let's say a kid threw a football right through a glass break front. So the father would train the kid. If you're moida to me and say, I did it, I'll pay you. But if you say, I didn't do it, and I caught that you did it, oh, watch out. That's how, that was the father's approach. You did something wrong, you man up to it, and you say, I did it wrong. I, 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 I made a mistake. If you admit, you get paid. If you deny and I catch you are lying, boy, do you get it. And look what happened to him. He, he, this kid turned out to be a chassid gadol mechassidei alyayim. So the Shlach HaKadosh is saying, more than anything else, one needs to stress
the midah of MS. Why? Because then anything you ask the kid, you know he's probably going to do it because he's going to afraid you're going to catch him. I would humbly suggest another reason why the most important thing to teach a child is MS. What's the purpose of the mitzvah of chinuch? Chinuch is you're creating the foundation of the child. The foundation of what? Foundation of his feet. You're building uh, cement under his feet. You're building the foundation of his soul. What is the soul made out of? What is the soul? What is the neshama? Rabbeinu Yoyna writes in the Shari Tshuva, Shari Gimel Ois Peidalid, Nishayavnu al Gidrei HaEmes. We are obligated on the parameters of truth. Kihu miyisoide hanefesh. The truth is the foundation of the soul. The soul is based on truth. The soul stands on truth. If you would be able to see a soul, you would see that it's founded on truth. And the logic of that, the explanation of that, is that the soul is a piece of the divine. The soul is a piece of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu's essence is Chaysamash HaKadosh Baruch Hu MS. So that means the foundation of the soul is truth. So the purpose of Chinuch is you want to give the child a foundation. So there's only one foundation that you could give the child. The Midah of MS. So that is number one. The, I mean, sometimes you'll see, you'll see a father in shul. What? You didn't bring your hat to shul? Are you kidding me? I'm gonna not, yeah. So the father goes, now, if the kid goes to yeshiva where they wear a hat, the kid should wear a hat and, by davening. That's the dress code of a Ben Tyro where he learns. And I understand the parent wants the, the child to dress a certain way and that's legitimate and that's important. But how in the world could that be made a bigger deal than if the kid says something that's like a quasi-truth and it's not true? In other words, very often parents make a much bigger deal of things that are lesser important. I'm not undermining the importance of it. If this is your Messiah and this is your Minog, okay, it's extremely important. But it can't even be compared in the same stratosphere as something which is the whole foundation of the child's spiritual development. And, you know, we live in an Olam HaShakar and we get used to saying certain things. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, catch you later, talk to you, talk to you later. What do you mean talk to you later? I don't plan on talking to you for another 10 years. There's certain expressions that just become part of vernacular that we're used to, and it's uh, worthwhile that of all the things that we uh, give over to our children, the midah of MS. That's number one. Number two. Number two is uh, not something that is commonly given over to our children, and it probably should be uh, re-evaluated as well. This is something Reb Chaim Kenievsky writes that um, he says in the name of his father. I saw the Rosh Shiva of Tells, Rav Aaron David Goldberg, wrote a Sefer on Chinuch, and he brings also from the stipler. The most important thing to tell the kid is that this world is not an Olam Hefker. It's not Hefker in this world. This is a world of consequence. This is a world of repercussions. This is a world of reward and punishment. Now, you can never point and say, this good thing happened to Ploini because he did a mitzvah. 
And that bad thing happened to Ploini because they did an Avera. Nistere Darke Hashem, who knows the ways of God? But there is a Cheshben, like Ravitzla Petterberg writes, the majority of the time there's reward and punishment. And if an earthquake happens on the other end of the world, nobody can say it happened to Ploini because of this, it happened to Amoini because of that. But in general, the Rebunisham is talking and he's bringing Oinshem. It's not reward, it's not Hatava. The kid has to know this is not a Hefker world. The child must know from a young age there's something called reward and punishment. That Hashem knows what you do. He sees what you do. He sees what you think. And Mamala, Shefala, even if Tati and Mami are not there, and even if Daddy and Mami are not watching, the Rebbein Shem is watching you. And the Rebbein Shem records what you do. And if you do a mitzvah, and you daven nicely, and you make a bracha b'kavana, there's, there's schar, there's a reward for that. And if chas v'shalom, you know, you don't treat your friend nicely, the Rebbein Shalom records that. And it's something you have to try to improve on and correct. You can't have a kid grow up in a marshmallow land. Yeah, this world, frosted flakes. Everything is good. Everyone is good. Everyone is good. Even, even well, it doesn't matter who you are, how you're identified. If you want to identify one way one day and a different way a different day, everyone is good. No, not that. we don't live in that world. We don't live in the world of fruity pebbles. We live in a world of repercussion. Schar and oinish, right and wrong. There is a Rebbeinu Shalom. He sees, he knows, he records. Schar and Oynesh. This, is, says the stipler, is the most important thing to give over to a child. That this world is a world of ramification, repercussion. Schar and Oynesh. Doesn't mean all day long you should focus on, uh, you know, Oynshim Chamurim from the Sefer Reishas Chachma. But the general concept. The child has to know that their actions make a difference, that the Rebbe Hashem knows, he records, and he runs the world accordingly. This is what the stipler said, Rav Chaim Knievsky said it over in the name of the stipler, Rashiva of Tells brings in the name of the stipler, Rebbe Yosef has a sefer on Chinuch, he likewise says, the most important thing for a child to know is that there are two worlds, there's Olam Hazen, Olam Haba. And when the tzedoikim began to say, all there is is this world, so the chachamim were masakein, that you answer, min ha'oylam v'yad ha'oylam, from this world to the next world. Because if a child does not know that there's an oylam haba, he thinks it's an oylam hefker. The child, every child, that doesn't mean the kid is three months old, you should tell him, by the way, yingala, there's, uh, there's Gan Eden and there's Gehenna. No, no. The kid has to have, uh, he has to be of the age of Chinuch. But in general, a child should know that the Rebbein Shalom watches and the Rebbein Shalom records and there's schar for doing the right thing and there's Oynish for doing the wrong thing. That's the basic Mesira uh, of Chinuch Habanim. Number three. Okay, here we go. Number three. So you come home from work and Tati, you came home from work at 8.10 and you're going out to the shear at 8.30. Aren't you tired, Yingala? Aren't you hungry? And he sees you're eating 
the food in like 10 minutes you're running out say yes but I'm being moister nefesh al kiddush Hashem just like Yitzchak Avinu at the Akedah he was going to give up his life al kiddush Hashem and just like Jews jumped into the gas chambers for the sake of Hashem I am learning Torah with Mesiras Nefesh that is the worst possible thing you could tell your child. Never tell your child that you're being moiser nefesh for any mitzvah. Never tell your child, yes, it's really hard, but what wouldn't I do for HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Why shouldn't you tell your child that? Your child should not think you're being moiser nefesh for any mitzvah. Because the child will say, look, Dad, he's moiser nefesh for a shear because he's, uh, you know, he's Superman. But I'm a wimp. So for him it worked, and for me it doesn't work. I don't want to be Meister Nefesh like my father. I don't want to do things that are hard the way my father. You need to tell your kid, you know I am going out to the shear because I love the shear. You know, I, I wake up early to daven because I love waking up and thanking Hashem and davening for my needs. It, what would life be without tefillah? What would life be without Torah? What would life be without Shabbos? The kid cannot think that any mitzvah in the Torah is Mesiras Nefesh. You have to tell the kid, he has to see that you enjoy it. Otherwise, says Rav Moshe Feinstein, the kid's going to say, Dad was Superman and it ain't good for me. Now, everybody knows Rav Moshe used to say that in, a, you know, in the generation of early America, the reason why many went off the straight and the narrow is because people would say, But Rav Moshe writes in Parshas Emar, says, Emar el hakoyhanim b'nei aharoin alehem. Say to the koyhanim and say to them. So Rashi says, what's the Emar v'amarta? So Rashi says, tell the gedolim on the ketanim. So Rav Moshe asks, what do you mean tell the gedolim to tell the Ketanim. The Pasuk says, Emar, tell them, Ve'amarta, and tell them. There's nothing here about, number seven, nothing here about telling the Gedolim to tell the Ketanim. Says Rav Moshe, the most important Yesoid in Chinuch HaBonim is that a kid should not think you're being Moiser Nefesh. Tati, why do you buy such an expensive Esroig? We don't have food to eat. You know, just like Jews marched into the, the crematoria, we're also Moiser Nefesh. That's the, the best, most direct way to ask your kids to check out a different path in life. You don't tell the kid you're being Moiser Nefesh. The kid has to think, and you need to show, and you need to act, that every mitzvah you do, it makes you happy, you enjoy it, it gives you geschmack. So the kid says, you know, I thought, uh, I want to have a happy life. I want to ha- have a meaningful life. I want to have a life of Simcha Sachaim. I'm going to do what my father does. I'm going to do what my mother does. Because I see it gives them Simcha. It says, The kid gets nothing. All the kid gets is, it was good for him, and I'm not interested. You have to tell the kid, yeah, it looks like it's hard. Huh, but I wouldn't have it any other way. You're learning during the Super Bowl? 
Yeah, I'm being moiser. Not, not I'm being moiser nefesh. That's. You think that's simcha for people to bang their heads against each other and get permanent brain damage, so that later on in life they can't even remember their own name? No, this is simcha sachayim. Anyway, it's rigged. You think it's actually? Anyway, it's probably. Rigged. So uh, I saw in a sefer Yemei Hamoyed that the idea of Moshe Feinstein that the importance of showing your child how enjoyable Torah Mitzvah is is Marumas in the pasuk and Tehillim Parakov Yotes Nachalosi Edoisecha Nechalti Edoisecha LiOilam Kisusain Li Bihema. You know why I inherited your mitzvahs forever? Because I enjoy it. If a person enjoys the Torah, a person enjoys the mitzvahs, then there's an assurance that will go on to the next generation. But if a person doesn't enjoy it, then uh, the likelihood of it being passed on is is uh, not great. He brings over here a very interesting question he asked Rabbi Shlomo Miller. He says, sometimes people want to know in uh, Chesed, like how far should a person extend themselves to help out somebody? And Rav Shalom Miller said a very interesting uh, gedar, a very interesting hagdara. He says, when you're going out of your way to help somebody else, don't push yourself too much, too much beyond your comfort zone. A little bit. Not too much. You say, what? I thought I should be moist nefesh. No, if you're pushing yourself so much beyond your comfort zone, that... It bothers you that you're doing it. And you're not doing it besimcha, you're doing it like a grouch and a grump. So like you're ruining the whole mitzvah. So there's a very fine line between stretching yourself and stretching yourself too thin. You know, a person always wants to make sure they're growing and they're doing more and they're on a higher level than they were before. But you don't want to jump to the next level where you're not not enjoying going. Okay, I'm going to get up earlier for shachos. Great. Get up, start 10 minutes earlier. You're going to start getting up three hours earlier and you're going to walk like, you're going to be like a zombie and you're going to be like, oh, I can't take this. So you sort of ruin the whole mitzvah. Now maybe ultimately, it's, you know, it's, it's like that in anything in life. You know, if you're going to pick up the heavy weights right away, you're just going to ruin your muscles, you're going to tear your muscles. You have to do it in a way where you're still doing it besimcha. All right, here we go. Number four. Number four is very interesting. I'll tell you, number four is a chiddush. It's such a big chiddush. I didn't even know it was true. And as far as last week, I didn't even think it was true. Rabbi Yisrael Salanter says that the battle in this world between the Yetzir Toiv and the Yetzir Hara is the battle between the Seichel, the intellect, and the Kayach Hadimyoin, and imagination. What does that mean? Let's say you, ha- you want to do an Avera. You know it's the wrong thing, but how does desire work? The way desire works is you imagine how pleasurable that Avera would be. There's a certain image in your mind, how good that food would be, how good that illicit activity would be. So the imagination starts working, 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 
And the Seichel is trying to tell you, no, you can't do that. You're gonna, it's not worth it. You're going to ruin yourself. You're going to get punished. But the imagination is, so to speak, too much in a way, often, for the Seichel to counteract. And Rabbi Sosalanter taught that you need to transfer all the ideas that you have in your head get them and plant them in your heart in an emotional way so that when the imagination starts to work, you'll be able to counteract it with, with emotion. I always thought emotion was completely the tactic of the Yitzhahara. I always thought, uh, not emotion, excuse me, imagination, I thought, this is seriously, until last week, I thought imagination was totally, completely, the realm of the evil inclination. And last week, a friend of mine, Rabbi Lan Halberstadt, said an idea about the power of imagination. I remember I asked him, what's, what's the source of this? And uh, yesterday, I saw Rabbi Shleim Volba writes an amazing idea. That the same way there's a power of imagination for Avera, the way to counteract, the ima- that's, how, that's how Taiva works. Taiva works. You know, you're, you're, uh, during the day, you get hungry, and you say, you know, I really want, even if it's kosher, I really want this food. What really wants this? The, the finger wants it? What part of you wants it? What is the bad, what, what do you need? You need the calories to drink a cup of milk. You need the protein, have a piece of fish. Why do you need that? The answer is, you know, it's like the, the commercial in your mind. You, you have this image in the mind that starts working, that starts, it, it captures your, your, whole, your whole mind's eye. It says, Rebvoba, imagination could be harnessed letoiv. A person has to have imagina- imaginative images in their mind of Kabbalah's Hatoira. Imaginative images of their mind of Akedas Yitzchak, of the Mishkan, of the Avoida, of the Kavad Hashem and the Beis Hamikdash, of Tzadikim. You need to use imagination, Litoiva. You need to have imagination of how great you could be, of what you could accomplish in Ruchnius, of Torah that you could know, of Yerushamayim that you could have. Imagination gets the emotions going. So the same way we know from ourselves that Taiva comes from imagination, you need to use and harness imagination for Torah mitzvahs. And Revolva says that when Yosef at Sadiq was faced with the temptation of Ashes Poitifera, so we know, came to Yosef, the Musta Yukonai Shalavit. Yeah? He imagined his father. So we think, yeah, Yosef is about to do the Aver. The Gemara on Saita says he's about to do it. In fact, the Gemara gets very graphic that something even happened with Yosef. But in the last moment, he saw his father. So we think, what, what happened over here? Yaakovina was in Gan Eden. He took, uh, he took a personal jet, you know, he took a private flight down into Yosef's mind. And he said, hey Yosef, don't do that. Yaakov, we say, we think Yaakov came to Yosef. No, Yaakov didn't come to Yosef. Yosef always imagined his father. Yosef's avoida. Yosef always thought about Yaakov. What would Yaakov say about me? What would Yaakov do? 
What does Yaakov think about this? How else did Yosef for 13 years, for 22 years, live in a land of Egypt without a father, without siblings, without any Yiddishkeit? And Yosef remained Yosef Atzadik. The answer is he had seared into his consciousness the image of his father. And the reason why Yaakov came to him, Yaakov always came to him. That was always in Yosef's imagination. And Rav David Goldberg says a really a remarkable idea. I should really save it, but I'll tell it to you now. And if I say it again, don't hold it against me. Rav David Goldberg says, How was Yosef able to train his children in Mitzrayim? How was Yosef able to be mechanich children in Mitzrayim? There's no yeshiva. There are no tzaddikim. There are no Jews. There are no gedolim. How exactly did Yosef teach his children? He gave over to them images, the Dayuknoi Shalaviv. He graphically explained to them what who Avraham was, who Yitzchak was, what the Bris Avais was. That kept his children on the straight and narrow. Rav David Goldberg in his uh, Sefer on Chinuch, he says that he brings a story about Rav Yaakov Galinsky, who was a Ram in, the, in Yeshiva in Chadera in 1952. And he had a, a daughter who he had to put in like a kindergarten. And the problem was, it was a, it was not a Haredi kindergarten, it was a Masorati. It wasn't to the standards that Rav Galinsky wanted. And he asked the Chazonish, can I stay in this neighborhood and send my kid to the school, or do I need to move? And the Chazonish says, here's the barometer. If they will agree, if the school will agree to put up on the walls of the school pictures of Gedoyle Yisrael, that will have an even greater hashpa than bad friends. Now that's a chid. I mean, you know, what does a picture of Gedoyle Yisrael do? Picture of Gedoyle Yisrael. They don't talk to you. Yeah, they, they do talk to you. Because when you have someone's picture up on the wall, it's not, I want to be like number 23. This is my this is my role model. This is my ambition. This is who I look up to. The hashpa of an aspiration. That a child should be taught to aspire for godless batayra. Doesn't mean that child will ever get there. But like Rabbi Sol Salanter said, my whole life I strove to be like the Vilna Goin, so at least I was Rabbi Sol Salanter. But David Goldberg says that uh, he remembers when he was a little boy growing up in Chicago, 60 years ago. His father came home one day with something that was unheard of in America. His father came home with Gedoylem pictures. 60 years ago, there was no such thing as Gedoylem pictures. Now, instead of flipping, you know, the New York Yankees, these kids are flipping, uh, I don't know, Rav Aaron, So One of my kids said, is it covered that we're, you know, flipping uh, these rabbis in the air? It's better, better than flipping, uh, I guess, other cards. But the the father came home. The Rashiva of tells he says when he was a young boy, he had two brothers. He had a brother Yosef. He had a brother Moshe. And his father came home with three Gedolim pictures. One of the Ragetshava, Rabbi Yosef Rosen. One of the Rama, Rabbi Moshe Israelis. And one of Rabbi David Karlin. So the father said, Yosef, you strive to be like Rabbi Yosef Rosen, the Ragachavar. Moshe, you strive to be like the Rama. 
David all, you strive to be like Rav David of Karlin. So Rav Goldberg said that this had a, a big hashba on him. And I think an important thing to give over to a child is a she'ifa, an aspiration to know Torah, to desire Ruchnias, to desire Devekos Tashem, to desire Yerashamayim, to have such an aspiration to look up to G'dayle Yisrael because that creates an image in their mind. That, now it's more than just information. See, information's impact is limited. It's minimal. But the impact of the imagination, the impact of the aspiration is very powerful. We mentioned a few times already that the stipler said that when he was a, a young boy, even before he learned Mishnayis and even before he learned Gemara, his father taught him by heart a nigan of all the Masechas, a special nigan. And not only that, um, the, uh, the, the Rav Chaim Knievsky also taught his children, the stipler taught his daughters. The story goes that one time the stipler's daughters came to the house and they saw that the shas was not in order, so they were able to put the shas in order. But what's the purpose of knowing the names of the Masechtas if you, don't, if you can't even read? You can't even read Shnai Mochsen Betalas. What's the purpose? What's the objective of knowing Baba Kama, Baba Metziah, Baba Basra? So it creates a certain aspiration and yearning and desire to know it. That's a very important thing to give over to a child. That the child should have in his lev, should have in his neshama, a she'ifa for Ruchnias. You want to hear the song again? I thought you might want to hear the song. You ready? Here we go. <laughs> you remember this? Courtesy of Rabbi Engel, Yeshiva Dachei Torah. Just a little bit. Okay, that's the first say there. Okay, I had to do that. Okay, so that's number four. Number five. And number five is probably the most important of all of them. Number five is that a child has to know that he's important. He has to have an identity. He has to recognize, she has to recognize their value in the eyes of Hashem. That they're important creations. That they're important individuals. And what they do makes a difference. And what they say makes a difference. And what they think makes a difference. And that the Yubayim Shalom loves them. And the Rosh loves them because they have a neshama. And the Rosh loves them because they're B'nai Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And because they're B'nai Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, they need to strive to be like Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. They're important. They're chashuv. Hashem values them. Hashem wants to hear their tefillah. Hashem desires their Torah. Me? What am I? I'm nothing. No, in the eyes of Hashem, you're more important than the President of the United States. And that's not saying much. 
Hashem is more interested. Yingala. Hashem is more interested in one word of Chumash that you learn than anything that takes place in the Oval Office. That's the first thing a child has to understand. He's Chashav Be'enei Hashem. When Yosef had Sadik, what, what gave him the wherewithal to overcome that Nisayon? Because he saw his father. He understood who he was. He recognized his greatness. The Gemara says in Masech Degitin, Roshim and Gamliel, the Gemara says in Gitin, the story of uh, the son and daughter of Rabbi Shmuel Kaingadal. They were taken captive, and they didn't know they were, that they were brother and sister. And they had an Nisayon. And if you look in the Gemara, what what went on in their minds that helped them overcome the Nisayon? Did they say, if I if I if I'm Nichshal, I'm going to be punished in the world to come? No, that's not what inspired them. Did they say that? They're, they're going to ruin their neshama? No. They said, I'm the son of the Kayin God. I'm a great person. How could I do this? By the way, the Gemara says that if somebody is walking down the street and they're eating pizza, their apostle ate us. Can't eat in the street. Why? Because it's not dignified. And someone who doesn't recognize their value will not hesitate for a moment to lie. They're puzzle Why does a person why is a person careful to speak the truth? Because he knows he's an important person. The most important safeguard that a, that will keep a child on the straight and the narrow is he if he has a healthy recognition of of how important he is. It doesn't matter how smart he is. It doesn't matter how talented he is. He has a neshama. So if he has a neshama, the Yuban Shem created the entire world for him. Every boy, every girl has to know the whole world was created for them. And that the Yuban Shem loves them and the Yuban Shem wants their tefillah and they're the most important creation in the world. It's more than self-esteem. It's reality. Chayiv Adam Loimar Bishvili Nivra The more important you recognize yourself as, the more careful you'll be in your behavior. Rabbeinu Yoyna writes, the Pesach HaRishayn, the first opening in the service of Hashem, that person recognized their own value. And if that's the Pesach HaRishon for an adult, then of course this is the Pesach HaRishon for any child. So yeah, a kid could go to yeshiva for many, many years, and they could learn many, many psukim, and many, many mishnayas. But the parent has to build the foundation. And the foundation is... The child needs to know, number one, that they're important, they're valued, they're chashuv, they're more than important. The whole world was created for them. The behavior you see on the street is because people think they're an accident, they're a random mutation. If you think you're a random mutation, 
Why would you behave any differently? But we believe we were created with the hand of the Boyre Oilam, for the tachlis of upholding the whole world. Every human being could say that, especially a Jew who upholds the entire universe. That's number one. That's the foundation of everything. And the child has to be impressed with the importance of MS because that's what their neshama is. That's what their soul is. It's miyusad on MS. And then he'll understand it's not an oilam hefker. The Yavon is watching them. You see, the thing is, if a child doesn't recognize how important they are, they're not going to believe Hashem is watching them. If you think you're a blade of grass or a speck of dust, so how are you supposed to believe? Yeah, Hashem is looking at my thoughts? Why, why would Hashem look at my thoughts? But when you have the foundation, the whole world was created for me. When a person is mamin be'amun shlema, Hashem created the whole world for him then you're going to be careful what you say, you're going to be careful what you think. And you're going to believe it's not an Oilam Hefker. And you're going to aspire, you're going to aspire for great things. So they all are very much interconnected. And when you live a life like that, then the child sees that it's a life of meaning, it's a life of happiness, it's a life of a, it's an enjoyable life for Oilam Hazah, Ashrecha for Oilam Hazah, the Toivlach for Oilam Haba. So these are a few things that perhaps are important to give over, and we should all be Zoicha to see tremendous Nachas from our children, from our future children, from our grandchildren. Thank you very much.